What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. It's the big red carpet premiere night for the latest episode of American Hauntings, the podcast hosted and produced by Cody Beck and written and performed by Troy Taylor. That's me. This is your spooky backstage pass to Hollywood, the movie capital of the world, where you'll find palm trees, swimming pools, and more movie stars than you can fit into a streetcar. But Hollywood isn't always what you see in the movies. It's a place of sunlight and shadows, murder and mythology, and has been home to cranks, kooks, lunatics, and murderers since the days of the Nickelodeons. In season five, we walk the dark streets of Los Angeles, the city of angels, and dig into the history, mystery, spirits, scandals, and sins of Hollywood, that glamorous bit of LA that's not so much a place these days, but a forgotten fable of a time when the 20th century was new. Each episode in the new season, which started with episode 70, for those of you who don't want to miss anything, will reveal another sordid Hollywood tale of crime, corruption, murder, and of course, ghosts. And these episodes may not be suitable for all listeners, so listen at your own peril. You've been warned. So fork over the cash for your room, grab the room key, and stop to talk to the desk clerk because he's got a message for you. He says, get ready for the new episode of American Hauntings or else. Hollywood. As we keep trying to tell you, it's not really on the maps anymore. It's not a town, hasn't been for years. It's just another part of Los Angeles that doesn't look nearly as great as it does in the movies or on picture postcards. It's a little run down, more than a little seedy, and desperately trying to hang on to its former glamour like an aging actress that's had one too many facelifts. But Hollywood is a place for reinvention. Not just the people, but the places too. And hotels, they're a great example of this. There aren't many still left in town to look the way they did when they opened. Some of them were apartment buildings that became hotels, while some of them were the other way around, struggling to stay alive by renting out rooms by the week, by the month, and sometimes by the hour. Such is the case with the once famous Knickerbocker Hotel. Well, not the by the hour part, but you'll soon understand what I mean. It started out as one thing, became another, and then it was something else altogether. And it picked up a lot of stories about ghosts and other assorted strangeness along the way. So let's step inside and I'll show you around. The Knickerbocker was designed in 1923 by architect Ian e. Frazier. It was meant to be a luxury apartment building, but it was never finished. It wouldn't be completed for another six years, finally opening as the Hollywood Knickerbocker Hotel in June 1929. The 11-story, 300-room hotel was the tallest building in Hollywood, and like moths to the flame, it attracted all the greats and the almost greats of Hollywood history. It was there that a young singer named Rick Nelson met the Jordanaires. 
Elvis Presley's backup group and began recording with them, rocketing him to fame. Elvis himself stayed at the hotel in room 1016 while making his first film, Love Me Tender. It was at the Knickerbocker that author William Faulkner began his 18-year affair with a 20th Century Fox script girl named Meta Carpenter. Graham Nash was staying there on the day Cass Elliott picked him up to go meet a couple of guys named Stephen Stills and David Crosby. The hotel also played host to stars like Milton Berle, Jerry Lee Lewis, Frank Sinatra, Barbara Stanwyck, Lana Turner, Mae West, and Laurel and Hardy. Marilyn Monroe and Joe DiMaggio often met in the hotel bar, which provided privacy to a lot of stars during its heyday. And as we've already seen in our past hotel episodes, privacy, movie stars, and hotels, well, they're a bad mixture that often leads to scandal, tragedy, and ghostly tales. A stroll through the hotel's lobby offered guests a breathtaking view of the original crystal chandelier, which cost nearly $125,000 in 1929. Well, if you stand beneath it, you'll be standing in the exact spot that a Hollywood legend took his last breath. His name was D.W. Griffith, who we've briefly mentioned in past episodes. He was literally the man who invented Hollywood. He came to Hollywood when it was still a farm town to make westerns for the Biograph Film Company and put the place on the map. He's credited with perfecting film techniques that are often taken for granted today and for making the first feature-length films in Hollywood history, Birth of a Nation, which has a myriad of its own problems that we won't go into here, and Intolerance. Griffith helped found movie studios like United Artists and made hundreds of films. His career spanned the transition to sound, but eventually his style fell out of fashion and he made his last picture in 1931. Griffith was living at the Knickerbocker when he died under the grand chandelier from a stroke in 1948. By then, he'd been mostly forgotten by his peers. He eked out a painful and lonely existence at the Knickerbocker, spending most of his time in the hotel bar talking to anyone who was willing to listen to him. His dismissal by Hollywood was as great a tragedy as his death, and it wouldn't be until years later that he would be regarded as the genius that he undoubtedly was. Another Knickerbocker tragedy was actress Frances Farmer, whose all-too-brief career electrified Hollywood in the 1930s. She made her film debut in 1936 in Too Many Parents, and over the next six years appeared in 18 films, three Broadway plays, 30 major radio shows, and performing with seven stock company productions. She was only 27 years old, but her stars was soon to fade and then plummet from the sky in a haze of alcohol and mental illness. In January 1943, a bench warrant was issued for Frances's arrest after she failed to pay a fine from a DUI stop. At almost the same time, a studio hairdresser filed an assault charge against her, alleging that Frances had dislocated her jaw on the set of the film No Escape. These charges came on the heels of claims that she'd recently lost her sweater in a drunken nightclub brawl and had streaked topless through traffic down the Sunset Strip. The police found Frances at the Knickerbocker Hotel and after getting no answer at her door, opened the room with a pass key. Frances immediately ran into the bathroom and locked the door. The police broke the door open and after a wild struggle, she was taken from her room and dragged half naked through the hotel lobby. At her hearing the next morning, she behaved even more erratically. She claimed the police had violated her civil rights, demanded an attorney and threw an inkwell at the judge. Well, he immediately sentenced her to 180 days in jail. While Francis put up a fight, which led to a policeman being knocked down and another one injured. She managed to get into a telephone booth where she tried to call her attorney, but was subdued by the police. 
Thanks to efforts of her sister-in-law, a deputy sheriff in Los Angeles County, Frances was transferred to the psychiatric ward at Los Angeles General Hospital. This began a long series of stays at various psychiatric hospitals around Southern California. But this wasn't the end of her career. After being released from the last state hospital in 1957, she struggled to make a comeback. She made several television appearances in one film and even taught acting at Purdue University for a while. It didn't last, though. By 1964, her erratic behavior had returned. She began losing jobs and was arrested again for drunk driving. Finally, enough was enough, and Frances retired for good. She lived quietly until her death from cancer in 1970 at the age of 56. The time of her death, the once beautiful and headstrong star, was penniless, broken, and alone. It was a tragic end to what had been a promising life. Character actor William Frawley lived at Knickerbocker for decades. Frawley was a former vaudeville and stage actor who came to Hollywood in 1932. He was the perfect character actor and appeared in more than 100 films before Lucille Ball asked him to play her neighbor and landlord, Fred Mertz, in 1951 in I Love Lucy. After Lucy ended in 1960, Frawley became part of the cast of another TV classic, My Three Sons. He played the housekeeper, Michael Francis Bub O'Casey, for five years before bad health forced him into retirement. On March 3, 1966, he caught a movie on Hollywood Boulevard and was walking back to the Knickerbocker when he suffered a heart attack on the sidewalk in front of the hotel. He was carried into the lobby, but attempts to revive him failed, and he died there in the hotel lobby. But perhaps the strangest tragedy to occur at the Knickerbocker took place in November 1962, when actress and costume designer Irene Gibbons committed suicide here. Gibbons, whose real name was Irene Lentz and was known professionally only as Irene, had started out as an actress making silent films for Keystone in the 1920s. The director of her first film was F. Richard Jones, and the two of them became involved in a relationship that led to a marriage that lasted until his premature death in 1930. Well, Irene decided to get out of acting after her husband died, and with skill as a seamstress and a flair for style, she opened a small dress shop. The success of her original designs in her shop eventually led to an offer from a luxury department store to design for their ladies' custom salon, which catered to Hollywood's wealthiest women, including many film stars. Her designs got her attention from the studios, and she began designing costumes for RKO, Paramount, MGM, and Columbia. She worked with stars like Marlena Dietrich, Elizabeth Taylor, Claudette Colbert, Hedy Lamarr, Judy Garland, Lana Turner, Ingrid Bergman, and many others, and eventually earned Oscar nominations for her designs. Well, in 1950, she decided to stop doing studio work so she could open her own fashion house. She was out of the film industry for nearly 10 years when her friend Doris Day requested her talents for a Universal Studios production called Midnight Lace. Irene earned her second Oscar nomination for her work for Doris Day in this film. The following year, she did another costume design for Doris and, during 1962, worked on her last production, A Gathering of Eagles. While working with Irene on designs for the 1962 film, Day noticed that her friend seemed upset and nervous. Irene finally confided in her that she was in love with actor Gary Cooper and that he was the only man she'd ever truly love. Sadly, Cooper had passed away a short time before. Irene seemed unable to get over the loss. On November 15th, Irene took a room at the Knickerbocker Hotel, checking in under an assumed name. She cut her wrists, but when this did not prove to be immediately fatal, she jumped to her death from the bathroom window on the 14th floor, which 
was of course really the 13th floor, but she died, but she never actually hit the ground. Instead, she crashed into the white canopy over the entrance, and she was not discovered until later that night. She knew that her death would cause questions, so she left notes of apologies for her friends, family, and even other residents of the hotel, apologizing for any inconvenience her death might cause them. By the late 1960s, the neighborhood around the Knickerbocker had deteriorated, and the hotel became a residence primarily for drug addicts and prostitutes. Well, in 1970, a renovation project converted the hotel into housing for senior citizens, which it remains today. But all isn't quiet at the Knickerbocker. There are still stories of ghosts. One of the most haunted locations in the hotel was always the hotel bar. In 1971, though, it was sealed off when the building was renovated into senior housing. It remained closed and unused for nearly 25 years before it reopened in 1993 as a nostalgic coffee house, quirky club, and nighttime hangout spot called the All-Star Theater Cafe and Speakeasy. It opened each night at 7 p.m. and stayed hopping until the early morning hours, which I can't imagine made it all that popular with the residents of the building, but that's just me. Regardless, it was used for film shoots and studio rap parties, as well as a hangout for up-and-coming stars, until 2001, when it lost its lease and closed for good. It was during those years of operations that many of the building's ghost stories began reaching a wider audience. Some of the most frequently told stories, though, well, they couldn't have been true. These stories claim that one of the most frequently seen phantoms in the former hotel bar was that of silent film star Rudolph Valentino, the most well-traveled ghost in Hollywood, as I've already mentioned, and he's gonna get his own episode later, just trust me on this. But the stories claim that the bar had once been one of his favorite hangouts. Well, why wouldn't he haunt the Knickerbocker? Well, Valentino died in 1926, three years before the place even opened. Anyway, another often reported Hollywood spirit may have a reason to return to haunt the Knickerbocker, though. That ghost is Marilyn Monroe. She often used to sneak through a rear kitchen entrance to avoid the press when she came to the bar to meet up with Joe DiMaggio. The two of them even honeymooned at the Knickerbocker when they got married in 1954. Marilyn must have had a real fondness for the Knickerbocker because her spirit was often said to return to the bar, well, more specifically, to the ladies' restroom. Several guests in that bathroom spotted a beautiful blonde with skin so clear it seemed translucent, touching up her makeup in the mirror. By the time they realized they were seeing the ghost of Marilyn Monroe, she'd vanished. The bar is closed again today, so there's no spirit spotting going on there now. All we're left with today when it comes to the haunted history of the Knickerbocker is the past. But there's one supernatural event that occurred there that's a real doozy. It was the 10-year anniversary seance that tried to contact the spirit of famed magician Harry Houdini. During his lifetime, Houdini had been an opponent of the spiritualist movement, but made a pact with his wife and his friends that should contact be possible from the other side, he would attempt it. For 10 years after his death, his wife, Bess Houdini, continued to hold seances in hopes of communicating with her late husband. The last official Houdini seance was held on Halloween night of 1936 on the roof of the Knickerbocker Hotel.
When it comes to magic, everyone knows Houdini. During the early years of the last century, he was regarded as America's greatest magician, illusionist, and escape artist, and was one of the most famous men in the country. He was also a born showman, and when the film industry gained popularity, it was a natural fit for him to try his hand at Hollywood. His first appearance on movie screens was in a 15-part serial that was made in 1918 by B.F. Rolfe of Octagon Films. It was called The Master Mystery, and Houdini played Quentin Locke, an undercover agent for the Justice Department who used his expertise as an escape artist to thwart the efforts of the villain in the serial. In different scenes, Houdini's character was buried alive in a gravel pit, tied in the bottom of an elevator shaft as the car was lowered to crush him, suspended upside down over boiling acid, and even strapped into an electric chair. Somehow, though, <laughs> he always survived. Houdini broke three bones in his left wrist while filming one of the early scenes, but he didn't let that stop him. Production continued. When Rolf's production company went out of business, he moved over to Paramount and made his first Hollywood feature film, The Grim Game, in the spring of 1919. His second film, Terror Island, was made in 1920, and confident he could write and produce movies as well as star in them, he formed the Houdini Picture Corporation. The Man from Beyond and Hal Dane of the Secret Service followed the patterns of his earlier films, with Houdini playing a hero who always managed to escape from his adversary's diabolical traps and tortures. While the films enjoyed a modest success, and thanks to the amount of time he was spending in Hollywood, Houdini purchased a house in Laurel Canyon. Maybe. The stories are a bit hard to pin down. He either owned the house or he just stayed there. We don't know for sure. What we do know is that the house was built in 1915 by one of the investors who promoted Laurel Canyon, a wealthy businessman named Rolf Walker. When completed, the three-story mansion had 11 bedrooms, nine bathrooms, a ballroom, an indoor aviary, and a swimming pool. The four-acre property featured stone walkways, terraces, grottos, fountains, and an artesian spring that was channeled to create waterfalls and ponds. But what made the house fitting for Houdini was its parapets, battlements, and creepy-looking towers. The foundation of the mansion was honeycombed with tunnels, secret passages, and chambers. In one of the castle's lower chambers was a deep pool in which Houdini allegedly practiced his underwater escapes. For years, it was even rumored that in these subterranean passages was a hidden chest containing Houdini's greatest secrets. But, well, if it was there, it's never been found. All that may be because Houdini actually lived in the guest house of the Walker estate, which was just across the road. That's what some people believe. The four-bedroom house was high on a bluff that overlooked the driveway and had an elevator that descended into the rock and was connected to the estate's gaze house by a secret tunnel that was beneath what's now Laurel Canyon Road. While Houdini left Hollywood in 1923, after the failure of his last film, Houdini was many things, but a great actor wasn't one of them. I've seen his films and they're, well, they're what they are. It's really interesting to see Houdini on film. Beyond that, they're not so great. Anyway, after leaving Hollywood, Houdini began the most controversial part of his career, passionately speaking out against fraudulent spiritualists who were taking advantage of the gullible. A portion of each of his stage shows exposed how fake mediums did their tricks. Houdini's crusade had started as a desperate desire to get in touch with the spirit of his mother, who had died in 1913. He attended scores of seances, but only found frauds. 
which began his need to expose them for what they were. But throughout this, Houdini claimed to have an open mind and a willingness to believe in the supernatural, even though he'd never experienced contact with the spirit world himself. To show that he was willing to accept proof if it came along, he made a pact with his wife and a number of other magicians that if it was possible for him to communicate from beyond the grave, he would certainly do so. Houdini's pact was almost a foreshadowing of things to come. He died on Halloween night, 1926, from an infection caused by a ruptured appendix. Almost immediately, mediums began trying to make contact with Houdini. His wife, Bess, spread the word that she was waiting for a secret message from her husband, and she was offering $10,000 to any medium who could deliver a true message from Houdini. Well, despite some close calls, the reward was never claimed. In 1928, a medium named Arthur Ford contacted Bess with the word Rosabelle, which was the name of a song that was playing at Coney Island when Bess and Harry met. It was the first part of the code from Houdini, a code that would spell out the word believe. This was the message Bess had been looking for, but then it turned out that Ford may have gotten the code from a book about Houdini that had been written a short time before. To this day, it's unknown if Ford was the real thing or just another clever fraud. Bess held her own official Houdini seance each year on Halloween night, but as the years went by, she began to lose hope that she would ever hear from him again. Well, eventually, Bess came back to Hollywood, where she'd been happy with Harry during his movie days. Along with her personal manager and romantic interest, Eddie Saint, she moved into the guest house on the Walker Estate in Laurel Canyon. The mansion was now owned by a real estate broker named Charles Wilson, and it would have a rather strange history in the years to come. He eventually leased the place to a con artist and cult leader named Joe Jeffers, who named the house the Temple of Yahweh, and it became a retreat for his followers who disturbed the neighbors with pre-dawn rituals and nighttime bonfires. They filed suit against Jeffers, and the court case revealed his mismanagement of church funds in 1947, sending him to prison. The next resident was almost as colorful. She was a wealthy heiress who only went by the name of, quote, Eve the Green Virgin. She wandered around the estate mostly naked, with her hair wrapped in the shape of a turban until Charles Wilson died in 1954 and the estate was sold. The house was built by Fania Pearson, and she was the owner in 1959 when a wildfire swept through the canyon and gutted the mansion. The charred ruins remained there until 1968, when the city of Los Angeles demanded that they be leveled out of safety concerns. Not only were there trespassers, but traffic was slowed to a standstill on the road as drivers stopped to gawk at the site. You see, by then, word had leaked out that the ruins were haunted. People were reporting strange lights on the property, eerie shapes, and glowing apparitions. In 1969, Pearson even allowed ghost hunter Hans Holzer to visit the property. But it's possible that many of the eerie sightings had a human source. Occultists were known for holding rituals on the grounds and vagrants and runaways were living in the caves and tunnels beneath the property. Well, finally, in 1997, an antiques dealer and magic buff from Georgia named Patrick Williams bought the property for its connection to Houdini and began the daunting task of restoring the estate. As brush was cleared and the paths and stone relics were slowly revealed, it seemed to revive the spirits of the past, leading to more sightings and strange happenings. Today, the magnificent mansion has been completely rebuilt and is used today for film shoots, fundraisers, weddings, family retreats, and other special occasions, large or small. And yes, it is still considered haunted. 
But what about the Knickerbocker Hotel? Well, I was just getting back to that. Ten years after the death of her husband, Beth was living at the guest house in Laurel Canyon and decided she would hold a final farewell seance for Houdini on the roof of the Knickerbocker Hotel. On Halloween night, 1936, Bess gathered a group of friends, fellow magicians, occultists, and scientists in Hollywood with Eddie Saint presiding over the affair. Coverage for what was billed as the final Houdini seance was provided by radio and it was broadcast all over the world. The event started with the playing of Pomp and Circumstance, a tune that had been used by Houdini to start his act in the later years. Eddie Saint noted for radio audiences, quote, Every facility has been provided tonight that might aid in opening the pathway to the spirit world. Here in the inner circle reposes a medium's trumpet, a pair of slates with chalk, a writing tablet and pencil, a small bell, and in the center reposes a huge pair of silver handcuffs on a silk cushion. Saint continued coverage of the event, finally crying out to make contact with the late magician. Here's a little clip of Eddie Saint at the last official Houdini seance. Now, this would have been heard by radio audiences all over the world during the actual seance itself. So this will kind of give you a taste of what it sounded like uh, in the days of old radio. Houdini, are you here? Are you here, Houdini? Please manifest yourself in any way possible. Take from this earnest gathering any strength that may be necessary for you to use. Take any vital thing from us that you may need to enable you to carry out your promise of years ago. We have waited, Udini, oh so long. Never have you been able to present the evidence you promised. And now, this is a night of night. The world is listening. Harry, your world, your audience, and Bessie is here. Your Bessie, who is part of you for 33 years, she's here, Harry, pleading in her heart for a prearranged sign from you. It means so much to her, to all of us, to the world. Harry, we are all seekers after truth. Please manifest yourself by speaking through the trumpet. Lift it. Lift it. Speak through it. Speak. Speak, Harry. We are watching and waiting, Harry. Levitate the table. Move it. Lift the table. Move it. Wrap on it. Spell out a cold, Harry. Please. Ring the bell. Let his tinkle be heard around the world. Do it, Harry. Please. Please, Houdini. We are waiting. Bessie is waiting. For all our spirits, your religion is based on love. Saint and the rest of Bess's inner circle attempted to contact the elusive magician for over an hour before finally giving up. Eddie finally turned to Bess. Mrs. Houdini, the zero hour has passed. The ten years are up. Have you reached a decision? The mournful voice of Bess Houdini then echoed through radio receivers around the world. Yes, Houdini did not come through, she replied. My last hope is gone. I do not believe that Houdini could come back to me or to anyone. The Houdini Shrine has burned for 10 years. I now reverently turn out the light. It is finished. Good night, Harry. The seance came to an end, but at the moment it did, a tremendously violent thunderstorm broke out, drenching the seance participants and terrifying them with the lightning and thunder that seemed very close. 
Well, it seemed very close because it was. It was later learned that the mysterious storm that sprang up from nowhere and vanished just as quickly did not occur anywhere else in Hollywood. It had only been above the Knickerbocker Hotel. It's been speculated that perhaps Houdini did show up that night after all. He was too big of a performer with too big of an ego to just ring a bell or move a pencil. He made his presence known through the spectacular effects of a thunderstorm instead. Have you ever wanted to learn a new language? And I don't mean like spells or incantations to trap spirits, you weirdos. I mean like a new language that could help you start communicating with more people on this plane today. Then I need to tell you about Rosetta Stone. Look, you know the brand, you know the name. They have the expertise and a 30-year legacy, which makes them more qualified than ever to help you learn a new language today. They've helped millions of people build the fluency and confidence to speak new languages. Now, this is the part where Troy would tell me that I made some kind of grammatical error, but he's not here right now, so like, I don't know, it's like speaking tongues. Rosetta Stone focuses on speaking practice for real-life scenarios to get you ready for real conversations with real people. Or maybe you can even learn how to use some different types of Ouija boards. I don't know. Either way, Rosetta Stone can help you learn faster and retain your new language better. Honestly, Rosetta Stone really would have come in handy for season four of New Orleans because I know we butchered some of those French names and I apologize once again. Now you all know I have a nine to five job when I'm not at the podcast factory and Rosetta Stone actually helped me not make a total fool out of myself while I was in Brazil interviewing celebrities. Obrigado. And now I want to help you. So don't put off learning that new language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, American Hauntings podcast listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today today. Rosetta Stone, how language is learned. Wait, by the way, Troy, like where do words come from? Hey, no, don't, 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 don't walk away. Oh, Troy, where do words Everybody dresses up. Right. But I wore it for a couple of... When we, we used to have masquerade parties at the conference. Did I tell you about that? No, I don't yeah, think so. Yeah, we, um, we did... Um, you know, that you could... you We did... You, know, we could, you had to be a historical character. Mm-hmm. You could be a dead one. But you couldn't be like... No werewolves or vampires or anything. You had to be... and None of that basic shit. Yeah. So, um, one year, like, Renee came as Bob Barker with a machine gun and everything. Uh, I had a friend who... She came as the Black Dahlia. Yeah. Scar across her face. And um, yeah, we've got photos of it somewhere. I came as that last year we had it. I was pirate captain and it was Captain Morgan, of course. <laughs> yeah, right. And um, no, actually, I was John Lafitte the last year. No we had shit. Because I had the sword and I had all the stuff. And Lisa came as Rovi, Rosie the Riveter. 
Okay. I've got that picture somewhere. I think I might have seen it, but I've had multiple people in, I think it's one of the last podcast groups, uh, talk about John Lafitte and like how dope he was. And every time I comment and I'm like, you want to learn more about how crazy this motherfucker was? I was like, here's in my episode. And yeah. so many people have like responded to that and they just love it. <laughs> uh, are you ready? Sure. Yep. All right. Thanks for tuning into the American Hauntings podcast, the show where we discuss history, haunting. I thought legends, you just told me you recorded this and the dark side of American uh, history. What am I? We think. Am I no. thinking of something else? We are now in season five, and how are we having this problem? Other oh, podcast know. haunted we just Hollywood. Started. I'm your co-host Cody Beck, and with me is my co-host, author, historian, interrupter, crime buff, <laughs> and the founder of American Hauntings, Troy Taylor. No, I told you that you I misunderstood. I meant I copied and pasted the exact text because you remember how you always said like, oh, 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 even oh, if you, I change text, it, I thought you said you recorded oh, the intro and outro no, I, I already. I did no prior work And I this. thought, oh, no, okay. No, 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 well, no. that's kind of, how am I supposed to interrupt you if you're, you know, I, you You managed it. to find a way. I did. You I managed to I find a way. Gosh, okay. okay. <laughs> Off to a rough start. How have, how have you been? We haven't seen each other in, it's been uh, it's been a while. I feel like we oh, normally yeah, do we two, had several, two episodes Yeah, we had several episodes together, didn't we? Yeah, yeah so, so it's been I at least know. a month. We're doing okay. You're fine? I, I don't know. This, You're over I, it? I'm, no, I'm really just bummed because Why? this is not how the holidays were supposed to be. Oh, it's not how this, this year was supposed to be. This shit was supposed to be over by now. Yeah. We were supposed to be done with this. You know. I mean, we, we, you know, we did everything we had to, yeah, we, we, fucking we, did. we moved, you know, we moved all the pieces around to make it through October without having to cancel and postpone stuff. And then, you know, we end up the first weekend in December and it's all supposed to be over and everything's set. We've got all of our holiday stuff planned and then we had to postpone all of it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm feeling salty. To be honest with you, I am. I really am. Winter pun um, intended. Yeah, I, I just am because um, I don't know. It's just annoying, you know. It does suck, right? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you find any solace in like the online events or you know? Well, I mean, other you know, cool I mean, I'm trying to look curious. ahead. You know, I'm trying to look ahead, but I'm still feeling kind of bummed about, you know, how everything has kind of panned out this particular weekend when we're recording this because yeah. Cody and I planned to record this this weekend, but we planned on doing it when I was going to be down here doing events. And so yeah. now we're not. So, um, but anyway, you made um, a trip, a special trip just to hang out I did, with me. I did. I well, you were going to, you were going to make one to hang out with me so we can do our movie episode. And I'm really excited. Neither of us will be driving at the time. Oh, so it's that's gonna usually be, how it turns oh, out. Just, and we're not going to talk about Christmas movies this year. We're going to get right to the meat of it because yep. honestly, the movies that I tracked down, we'll talk about this, but I, I've spent a lot you, of time this year really journey. tracking down movies and have found some good stuff that I think a lot of you guys probably have not seen. Yeah, I have not. But it's been a lot of work <laughs> right. trying to find stuff because everything kept getting postponed. Right. We were supposed to be watching, you know, the new Candyman and A Quiet Place 2 antlers. and all this. Antlers. Yeah. Damn it. St. Maud. Still waiting for all these movies. So now they're supposed to be next year and we don't even know if there'll be theaters next year based on what we just saw from Warner Brothers. So yeah, so for those you of know, you who don't know, Warner Brothers yeah. decided, uh, starting with Wonder Woman 1984 which comes out on Christmas, Christmas th Day. they're going yeah. to start releasing all of 
of those movies on streaming and in theaters the same day, which is unfucking precedented. Yeah, it's and, never and happened. It's before. crazy. And but there's but such it's a been big, coming. It, oh, of course it's it, been coming. And there's for such a, a big long mover. Time, but this year, how do okay? How do you feel as a former theater owner? What's going to happen? Well, I don't know. It's a good question because I think I'll, t- I'll tell you who's going to survive is going to be the little guys. The you think little the, the theaters, indie theaters? You yes, think? they will survive. How because, do they survive already? Because is what I don't they understand. can. Well, that's the thing. They've made it through this year. And yeah. If they can make it through this year, they can make it through any year. Okay, fair enough. And a lot of, not all of them, but a lot of them have because they're able to think on their feet. Mm-hmm. I mean, the same way that we've had to do throughout well, this entire year quickly, with yeah. stuff, you just have to kind of keep switching stuff around. It's going to be the big chains that are going to be in trouble. Um, you know, I know AMC made some kind of deal with, you know, um, with Warner, but big deal. That's just AMC, right. which by the way, um, they're owned by a Chinese corporation. Yes. So they're not an, even an American company. Um, so it's, it's going to be regal and it's going to be all these other Marcus chains and, and we're going to see what's going to happen with yep. them because they're the ones that are really going to be in trouble. But I guess we should save this for our movie episode. Cause this isn't it. We should. I know we're talking about Hollywood, but it's still not I our know. movie episode. I also so don't know. How- let's, let's talk about the holidays that we have. Yes. Okay. Because what, what do we have coming well, up? Well, without without all of our listeners, we're not having any holidays. So please listen closely <laughs> to the things I'm going Troy, to Troy's pass be nice. on yeah. to you. Um, because we are, um, this isn't like, you know, at the beginning of this pandemic and you guys were so great about jumping on and helping everybody out with small businesses and companies like ours that were canceling things. Um, things are much worse now than they were then. You know, we were coming off, you know, a, a fairly busy late winter and now we've gone this whole year without, you know, a lot of the events that we normally do from the conference to a lot of our other events, we really had to cut down our tours and everything this year. And now December has come and everyone has, you know, COVID fatigue and they don't care anymore. Um, please care because we're, we're we not buying we're not buying presents for anyone if you don't care. Um, but anyway, um, the the big news is today we're recording this on Friday the fourth, uh, which is I have my Krampus sweatshirt on yes, because I tomorrow is like Krampus knocked. Um, but um, this is also the release of my new book, uh, which just came out today. How many books did you fucking write this year? Uh, well, that's the thing. This is, I hope, my last pandemic project. This should be the final one, I hope. Mm. Uh, although I am working yeah. on a book about the Donner Party right now, which... That sounds delicious. Really, I know, which really, I don't know if that bodes well for the rest of the winter no, or not. No, no, but no. anyway, hopefully this is my last pandemic project. But this is my One Night in Washington book. Uh it's about Abraham Lincoln in the spirit world. And, you know, I've, I've written about Lincoln before, but I've never written about Lincoln as, as, as much as I have in this particular, this turned out to be the longest book I've ever written. No shit. Yeah, it is. It I is, have some of your books and they're obnoxiously it's, This long. is pretty massive. And, um, you know, I kind of did it to tie in with like, you know, one August morning, one night at the biograph. I tried to tie it into some of my other books. So with, would you, do you have title. a, okay, I'm so sorry. Do you have no, a one sorry. night in series? This sounds pornographic. I, I, I'm sorry. I have to say it. It just, is this a new series you have going no, on? No, it's really not. It's just, I like these kind of titles because they say something without really, I mean, I could have called this book Abraham Any, Lincoln and the spirit the most world, traveled. why? Ghosts. Yeah. But why, you know, I want, would rather it be, 
I like to save my subtitles for the more obvious stuff. I like to to use the title to be a little odd. You do have, and you beat. you've told me even off off the podcast, you've told me so many stories about Lincoln, just being like, "Yep, he's been, he's been here." Uh, yeah, he's well, been there. and I, he's you been- know, and I love. I mean, it's it's. I mean, I grew up with it. I mean, sure. you know, I live. You know, have spent most of my life living in someplace connected to Lincoln, whether it's Jacksonville or whether it's Decatur or even Chicago. I mean, you know, these places I've lived, they're all connected to Lincoln. So it's impossible to get away from them. Mm-hmm. So um, but this is I, I've put some stuff in this book that I've never written about before. Yep. So anyway, so hopefully people will dig it. I think they will. When's, um, that, when's that dropping? It dropped today, which oh, is the fourth. Okay. So okay, it's okay, out perfect. right now. So when you guys hear this on Tuesday, uh, the book is available. So if you haven't for somehow you didn't see any of my advertising and I don't know how I you did missed see the it. email. Yeah. I don't know how you missed it, but if you did um, buy the book, um, but the one thing you want to remember is when you're buying the book, use the promo code spooky because if you use that promo code, you'll get 20% off uh, any of the books, and you'll also get a free book bag, that Christmas one that oh, we did, shit. that my friend Chris Bonney did. Um, I'll put that in the show notes, too. Yeah, so just he, click, um, scroll down you know, your he podcast, did a, He did it. a design just for us for this book bag, and it is a one-of-a-kind thing. It will not be available anywhere else. Um, it's the Welsh Christmas horse that's on it. Oh, yeah, which yeah, is I've a, seen which it. Is a, do you know that story behind the Christmas horse? I do not. Horse, I've the seen, Mary, the, I've the, seen the design, Lid? but I, haven't, I don't um, know the story. It's um, you, you, These guys would put on, in Wales, they would put on like a big sheet with a horse skull on it. Okay. And they would go door to door caroling. And that they would knock on people's horrible. door. Oh, no, no. It, it gets good. You'll appreciate <laughs> hey, this. Okay, okay, okay. They knock on people's door and they sing Christmas carols. And it's kind of like a rap battle. And then so the people who live there then have to compete compete with the people with the Welsh horse costume, with the Mary Lid costume. Sounds like a bad dream. And so if you, if they can talk their way into your house, if they win the, the, the battle, they get to come in and drink all your beer. I, it's and so these guys then go from door to what? door and do this through town. I mean, this is like the most awesome <laughs> custom ever. How we don't have that tradition here, I don't know. I guess it's a little harder to find horse I'm skulls. I don't know. I'm kind of speechless. It's brilliant, and it also pisses me off at the same time. <laughs> I, I I'm, I'm intrigued. I just imagine like the Beastie Boys yeah. underneath this like sh- horse sheet, yeah. and then you're just yeah. wrapped. I mean, they don't really wrap. I mean, it's just kind of like that. You well, have yeah, to compete yeah. with the people yeah, who live in the house, and whoever sings the best songs sure. wins. Either you have to go away and try another house, or you get to come in and drink all their beer. That's kind of, okay. You know what? That's kind of fun. Yeah. I would like to be on either side of that. Well, anyway, that it. anyway, that's what's on the bag. So it, it, it's a collectible, and we're going to keep the sale going till December 31st. Um, so guys take advantage of it, um, because this is a sale that we started back when the pandemic started. So we've kind of revived it. So like two weeks ago, no, 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 like nine months ago. So also, um, uh, big sellers, uh, for Christmas, big gift things. And while there's still time to order them and get them in time, and we are shipping priority mail with the, with these items, um, are those tea boxes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, many people ask about them yeah, too and they yeah, love them. We, um, yeah, we, uh, we really been selling a lot of them and they are, they are pretty awesome. Um, when we had our store, when Lisa and I had our store, we sold tea and herbs, but actually I'm selling more tea now than we did when we had our store hmm. that specialized in it. Um, and the wood, 
uh, we've been getting the wood from now the the wood from Kansas is all gone from the haunted house in Kansas. So actually, Renee found a house in Pennsylvania in her town that is not only is the house was the house haunted and it's still there, but they tore out all the lathe from remodeling. Um, but it also is the house that was used to film a movie in the 80s called uh, Maria's Lovers, which is unwatchable. Sure. But what's cool about it is that it was all filmed there in Brownsville, where Renee lives. Oh, okay. And there have been other movies filmed there, too. But this is one that shows a lot of Brownsville. But they used a house for a location, and that was the house. And they've torn out all the lathes, so we've gotten all of it. And the house is supposed to be haunted, so... Win win. If you don't have and enough so we've shit been now. yeah. So we've been making all these boxes out of them, and then we put the tea bottles in them. Um, we also and we do. You can choose from four of our teas and get the box sent to you, and it yeah. makes a good gift. Uh, but we've also been doing um, our new thing. Again, something that we used to offer in the store, all the different herbs, is we've been doing what we call witch bottles and botanicals, which is things that we've been doing like blessing salts and, you know, uh, banishing salts that have all the ingredients, all the different herb ingredients and stuff. And we've been doing gift sets of those too. You get three of those for a different price, or you can just buy the botanicals. And so that's been really cool. And people have been excited about it. So I've been excited about doing it uh, because it's it's kind of fun. It gives me a break from doing something, it's something sure, different right, that right. I can do. You know? You're not so, writing words. Yeah, or I'm not just packaging up books. You know, right. It's something we get to do that's a little bit different. So anyway, we, we have appreciated everything that our listeners have done this past year. I mean, for real. I mean, you guys literally have kept us afloat uh, through some really awesome stuff since, you know, you know, from July up until now, I mean, you know, we canceled, postponed stuff until July and then we started doing stuff and now we're not doing stuff again. So we just kind of hope that it doesn't last too long. We recorded a couple episodes like remotely too. God, they were were awful though. They sound bad. Um, So we finally just made ourselves part of each other's bubble. And so we just kept doing stuff. Um, But anyway, shop small this year. Um, so we've got cool stuff that you cannot find on Amazon. So please come visit AmericanHauntings.net, uh, visit our store, and uh, we we would love it if you guys would do it, and we would appreciate it, and we'll love you forever and keep doing podcasts. Because remember, this is a free podcast. It is. And so we get to do that because of the things you guys do for us. So we do appreciate that. We really do. Yeah, and so the second we can I don't see wanna you next jo- year. Yeah, I don't want to joke about it because it's, for it's, real it's, it's very serious it is it is for real we we really do appreciate everything you guys have done for us this year so um yeah anyway anyway All right. well, let's move let's on move on some more yeah. positive something things. that's not so maudlin not can so we? Yeah. yeah so we have a couple of listener reviews um because apparently a lot of people in the pandemic have nothing better to do than well listen you know to and that's the weird podcast. thing actually i have had a lot of time i'm, I'm sorry wow. i have interrupted again so, i so have Troy. a lot so of time Troy. to listen to podcasts when i actually when i have been packaging up all these tea boxes Just bragging. I mean, no, but I mean, for real. No, yeah. um, so I get to listen to a lot of stuff that I, you know, finding new podcasts and stuff. Um, I don't listen to ours because I've lived it. So I don't that's have to cool. listen to it again. I don't want to again. download or anything. I know. Yeah, that's fine. Well, I do. I download them automatically and then I usually delete oh, them without listening to them because God. I've already heard it. Thank God. And I don't want to hear myself. That's the problem. You don't want to hear yourself? Yeah. <laughs> editing this show. Yeah, I'm sure. Anyway. Yeah. You, I wouldn't want to edit me either. <laughs> it's for, kind of yeah, at all. 
Um, so I totally get it. But I think a lot of people who are not driving as much are falling behind on a lot of shows. Sure. But I think people that are working from home um, have been listening to stuff that don't have to worry about, you know, kids doing e-learning and stuff. So I think you're right on that. Yeah. But I'm happy. I'm happy that people are finding us. Yeah, so. no, I, love, I mean, I yeah. put on a podcast pretty much every morning, but I can understand if you have, you know, a little... If, you know, six-year-old running around. It's not you don't want to be a little like, harder right, so to the, do. The Velisca axe murders. Part, yeah. Well, but, there's that. Yeah. You know, yeah. But we appreciate anybody that's been listening. But we have a couple great reviews um, that I want to call out. So this one's from uh, Classic Rock Lover Two Three Eight. It's called a Warm Welcoming Podcast. So this podcast makes me feel like I'm with good old friends talking around a campfire. This podcast is very well done. The intro with the side conversation make the podcast even more interesting. Well done. Thank you so much for that, uh, Troy. I put this one in here especially for you um astonishing american haunting legend and then it kind of cuts off because i I can't see everything unless i'm on my phone but it's from tripsta it says i learned about ahp while listening to astonishing legends about the Velisca axe murders because troy was on that show uh once it it mentioned how many episodes there were on american hauntings podcast and as a fan of in-depth research i had to listen you two do a great job i listen on overcast finally i agree with troy about the end of each episode while informative is long and perhaps superfluous (laughs) so I I had to put one the one on there that's on your side because yeah because it's finally somebody on your side that yeah the outro (laughs) is a little too long and a little too bitty um I appreciate the review thank you so much they gave us five stars I'm not gonna complain at all (laughs) Uh, this last one is just uh, from L Dubs eighty nine just titled my my favorite season so far haunted Hollywood is by far my favorite season well done more 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 hands up emoji Um, thank you so much for all the reviews and and everything like oh I've got a couple oh oh, oh I've got a couple okay. is it, now, this is a, this is a three star one so I guess oh, three hell. stars is good but we're gonna do um, this? Okay. but the the title of it was how did this get five stars I love this review and it says boring music doesn't match the content and the delivery doesn't match the vibe set up by the title and graphic bland I like that one. Um, Troy and I actually text each other that one. I, I It's hilarious to me. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. Thank you so much for that. Oh, I gotta, I've got an even better one. Okay. I don't know how I missed this one oh, before. Boy. Here we go. Um, oh, this one is thought this. Oh, I can't see the rest of it. Shoot. Thought this was about something. I don't see the rest oh, of it. Hannah. But it says very much personal politics with no scientific basis. I don't even understand the review. Okay. I must have missed something. It's a it's a podcast about the paranormal. Um, so that would have been during, it was in September, and somehow I missed it. But yeah. wouldn't that have been during no, I like saw our New Orleans season? Yeah, I saw it and I didn't send it to you. Um, but oh. yeah, we get kind of political without ever mentioning any specific yeah, politician. But you know, guess what? We turned out to be right. We so there did. you go. We so did. we'll just leave it at that. We did. Also, but I, I, just, I just thought it was funny. And I've never said I was a scientist. Um, oh, I was probably someone mad because I asked people to wash their hands. <laughs> yes. God forbid people wash their hands. Uh, um, anyway, you. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have put those in but i did think that one was funny though i, no, didn't, I love the three but we still ones. got three stars i'll, I'll fucking take so, it and yeah. i appreciate yeah, people's stuff and you know what it's like i, I here's Bland. the thing the, the logo and the Bland. music i don't know what i'm doing so like yeah. thank you so much for thank, okay. thank you for listening um right. and i hope you keep listening well we got another podcast one that you didn't read that said that they were going to take my advice and stop listening so i think that might have been me talking about um 
It's, oh, that was probably so was probably our Katrina episode because that's the one that I got all the heat on. You did, you yeah. did. So sometimes I'll see really Sorry. bad reviews and I don't send them to Troy that's just in right. case. I don't care. I know you don't. Not care. about that. I that's, know that was me talking about how racism is bad. I'm sorry if that bothers someone. Mm, Troy, someone's going to take that. They're going to spin it into Troy yeah. thinks racism's good. Uh, anyway, <laughs> here's my first. Well, no, they apparently think it's good because I said it was bad. Well, that's the thing. They're going to twist your words oh, out I of see. context. All right, you're well, gonna, never mind. You're going to be quoted. Oh, man. Never mind. Hollywood Reporter. Here we come. Anyway, <laughs> my first opening note for this yes. is Troy hates Hollywood. LMAO. I don't. You hate but I don't. Hollywood. I really don't. I, I okay. I whoa, feel whoa, like whoa, you whoa, do. Wait, wait. Okay. Slow down. Let me back up and say I love. It's not what it looks like. I love classic Hollywood. It today, okay. Sure. okay. Hollywood, for what it is, um, is is fairly skeezy. Uh, well, yeah. I, I mean, I it just is. Most of what we talk I about mean, too is like Skid Row. I feel like at the well, like, a lot you of and it, I. What we well, talk about. yeah, a lot of it is. Um, you know, it's it's seen better days. Yeah. You know, Hollywood is not Hollywood like it used to be. Hollywood isn't even Hollywood like it was in the 70s, let alone the 1920s and 30s. I mean, it's just not the same anymore. Was it, and was now it, it's nothing. I mean, there's was just... Was it ever good, you think? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, I, mean, I think, not so much drug use, suicide, Well, despair. yeah, but that's, that's been with it ever since, so since I mean, the very beginning. Was it ever good, well, it's you always think? Been, it was always shiny. Okay. I mean, on the surface, well, but always isn't fucking gold, right? Skizzy underneath. Okay. I mean, that's always been Hollywood. Um, but I mean, you could look at it back in the the twenties and thirties. I mean, Hollywood gave people hope during the depression. Yeah. I mean, people were watching these films, and you know, watching Fred Astaire and Ginger Roger dance across the screen in the middle of the depression when you may have paid your last nickel or dime to get into the theater to watch it. You felt good when you left. Mm. And so, Fair yeah, enough. I think Hollywood is, I mean, it's the American dream. It always has been. I mean, for a lot of people, it still is, but times have changed. It's ha- all corporate now. Has it, it didn't used to be this way. Can I ask you something that might be a yeah. little bit more beyond what we're talking about right now? But I was actually talking to somebody, I'll, just, I'll tell you right now, I was talking to my therapist earlier today. Do, don't you think the American dream has kind of been dead since like the 50s and we just keep talking about the American well, dream, the American dream? it's changed so much over the years. Yeah. I mean, you know... Um, Years ago, when I was a kid, even I mean, we're just, we're talking about you know early nineteen hundreds, yeah, in the back in the twenties, um, you know, people the the dream was to do better than your parents did. I love that, but that's almost impossible now. Yeah, I mean, so much has what, changed what in this country. Um, it's you know, you want to say you're you're going to do better than your parents did, but you know, we're you know, you're thirty years old, and you know. Um, 31. When, okay, you're 31. When your parents were 31, they owned their own home. I know. Had steady jobs, had two cars and a They were going to retire and at had 65. Kids and yeah, and retire at 65. It's not like that anymore, it's man. It's, it, things have changed so much. I mean, you can't even, it's apples and oranges now. Sure. You know, you can't compare it to the two. That's why, and it's the same way with Hollywood. It's not, it's never going to be what it was. Yeah. You know, and maybe it hasn't been for a long time, but 
um, the studio system ended in the late sixties, mm-hmm. you know, and it all went, it started to be independent films. It started to be easy rider and the Godfather and stuff and the exorcist and things like that. And, you know, when the studio system changed, the the old Hayes code went away. I mean, people just don't take that stuff seriously anymore. And now if you want to find, well, you can't, there's just, it's just not the same. It's never going to be the same. Sure. Um, I remember when, uh, like the Blair Witch Project came out in 99. Yes. You know, um, we talked here about were, the yeah, budget here and were the a profit. couple of guys Hell who yeah. made some money on this film and it it really changed a lot of things as far as independent filmmaking goes especially for horror yeah especially for horror and so things are just completely different than they used to be you know this is um this is a season essentially about you know what hollywood used to be Mm -hmm. where the ghost stories got started um, it's not about Hollywood now. None of this is about Hollywood now, other than the stories that maybe still continue to this day. But so many of them don't because people aren't using backlots like they used to. Right. Now, this year, actually, you'd be surprised. I'm sure. There are using a lot more backlots, and I've seen it. I've seen it in a couple of films where it's obvious when I'm watching it, it's obvious. I'm like, hey, that's the backlot at at Universal, yeah, you I know. recognize these That's buildings. That's the Andy Griffith set. Yeah, I recognize these buildings, right. you know, because they're locked down for COVID. So in yeah. a way, I guess it's kind of a throwback to the old days, but- Everything comes back but around. Now, but now we watch it, we think, God, that's so unrealistic. Right. That doesn't even, not even look like the town, you know, or a, that does not look like New York City, or that does not look like Chicago, you know? And it's, um, it's crazy, you know, to watch some of the, this new stuff that comes along, especially with some of the TV shows. And, um, if you know anything about making movies or if you've done any kind of TV work or anything, you can recognize the, what's going on where, you know, you, these characters, why are they standing so far away from each other? Well, because mm. they're filming under COVID. Oh man. So they're six feet away from each other, but it looks, it, it would seem normal if we didn't know what was right. behind it. And then you're like, Oh, well, I get it. But see, that takes me out of the shows. I mean, it's like, um, you know, I watch those. I, I don't want to say horrible the because crime. they're entertaining. No, no, no. I watch those, um, those Chicago shows, the Chicago med, Chicago fire, oh, yeah. Chicago PD. Yeah. And, uh, I, I watch them all, but I guess my problem with it is, is that like I turned on Chicago med, they had a new episode. They had like two new episodes and then they went on hiatus until like February. Sure. Uh, but I watched it and I'm like, it's like an episode about COVID. And I'm like, but I watch TV because I want to be Escape. taken away from this. Right. I don't want to relive it. In the, but I, on the other hand, I kind of get it because of the way they have to film. Right. They have to put that into the storyline. But for me, I just as soon not see it. I, I like think that's why I've spent reality. so much time digging up horror films this year, sure. you know, and finding stuff that is worth watching because I don't want to watch something that deals with reality. That's also, but here's the thing though, with us, you and I did do an episode on our favorite pandemic we did, and that, movies. And I watched them all in <laughs> and like I did too. March and April. Yeah. I don't want to watch them now. That, I'm that's, done now. That's true. But it, I, I'm not going to rewatch 
contagion. I'm just not. That's so. the one that hit close to home. Oh God, but, it did. Uh, okay, all right. We've digressed a little bit. Let's let's dive we into have. this episode. Let's, yes. This is hotels part three. This is going to be the final episode yes. of our hotels. No more hotels. No more hotels. <laughs> let's talk I about. Swear to God, no more hotels. The Knickerbocker Hotel. So designed by E. M. Fraser in 1923. Originally designed as an apartment building, but it yes. just couldn't get finished. Right. Uh, this is where Rick Nelson met the Jordanaires, Elvis Presley's backup group. Elvis stayed there. Uh, William Faulkner began his 18-year affair with Meta Carpenter there. And then Graham Nash was staying. That was my favorite one, was the Graham Nash. I, li- I like that one. Yeah. Uh, Graham, uh, and then, oh, sorry, uh, Graham Nash was staying with uh, Cassie Elliott, been, picked him up to meet St- Stephen Stills and David Crosby. And then Marilyn Monroe. And that's and, the whole Laurel Canyon thing. And I could have done a and, whole episode on Laurel Canyon, but none of well, it would have. kind of did. Yeah, but none of it would have had anything to do with ghosts, though. That's fair. That's <laughs> it's fair. Just fascinating. It just sounds like a great me. place. Yeah. And then Marilyn Monroe and Joe DiMaggio would often met in the hotel bar for privacy. So basically lots of stars stayed there. And you mentioned, and as we have already seen in our past hotel episodes, privacy, movie stars and hotels can lead to scandal, tragedy, tragedy and ghostly tales because of fucking course it can. Yeah. So this <laughs> yeah. place had- It's an, Hollywood. It's Hollywood. Yeah. It, it had a chandelier in the lobby that cost $129,000 back then. Which is insane. It's $1.9 million today. Yeah. I looked it for up. For a chandelier. I, it, for a fucking chandelier. Yeah. Like- yeah. Jeez. Okay. So beneath that chandelier is where D.W. Griffith took his last breath. Literally, the man who you say invented Hollywood. Sure, he did. We've talked about him before. Yeah, he did. You quoted uh, his dismissal by Hollywood was uh, as great a tragedy as his death, and it would well, not. Well, and you know, it's Hollywood. It's Hollywood. Well, so if you don't keep updating with the times, you're past tense. Well, that's the, that's a hundred years later. They'll remember you. Here, but well, that's at the, the time. So that's the thing. It. So you said yeah. his dismissal by Hollywood was as great a tragedy as his death. And it would not be until years later that he would be regarded as a genius. That he undoubtedly was. And I wrote here, he said, they never love you till you're dead. Exactly. Like, that's yeah. just how it goes. Yeah. And that's so upsetting to me yeah. because I just. It's the, Edgar gonna, Al- it's the Edgar Allan Poe story. Yeah. It, it's so. Yeah. Well, it's so many Everybody stories. thought was just this some, you know derelict drunk which of course he kind of was and he was but nobody appreciated his work until later (sighs) so it's just like okay do i try really hard right now or (laughs) i I don't know i'm just i'm conflicted um so francis farmer also died here she did over 30 radio shows Shouldn't die here. She oh. got arrested here. Okay, so that in was, very, was kinda, in a very spectacular way. So that's where I was so, kind of confused because um, yeah. it, it seemed like she was she kept locking doors and getting herself drug out yeah, by police. She, I got she, a little confused yeah. there. She um she got into a lot of trouble. Um, she it's an sounds like a great story. time. Well, there's a there's a movie actually. Um, there's always a movie when it comes to Hollywood. There's always a movie, but um, there's a movie that Jessica Lang did played Francis Farmer. It's I love Jessica Lang. Definitely worth watching. Um, it was it's been God, maybe in the eighties maybe mm-hmm. early nineties. I don't know. I, she, her, Francis Farmer got a brief bit of new fame, uh, when she Kurt Cobain to... was still alive because mm-hmm. he w- kept saying he was going to make a movie about her. And because he was really into her, uh, because she was mentally ill and really, I, said, I mean, I think all of her problems really come down to her, uh, her her mental health. Well, I said she sounds yeah. like a tragic party animal, yeah. and oh, so yeah, that sure. that would be kind for of sure. a Kurt Cobain uh, thing. Kurt Cobain, right? Drug, so drug abuse. And he mental really, illness. I think he did a song about her, and he really brought her back uh-huh. into the popular, you know, thing for a while. And so I think that's probably around the time that that Jessica Lange movie came out. Got it. Uh, but it's a good movie. It's worth watching if you're interested in in Francis Farmer. Well, so, no, so that's interesting. So you, you mentioned also she did over 30 radio shows, and that was something I never really Big thought of. Big deal at the time. Well, yeah, this sure. is something I never thought of is people going to Hollywood to do movies and then maybe making the leap almost 
backward to do radio well, shows? Well, it's kind of like, you know, um, today we see a lot of, um, we, we get a lot of movie stars who decide they want to do a play. They want to do something on the uh-huh. stage. Sure. Um, and a lot of these people did stuff. They started out on the stage, but radio was the television of the day. Mm-hmm. You know, in the 1940s, 1930s and 1940s, um, that was a big deal. Everybody had a radio. You might not go to the movies all the time, but you listen to the radio every single night. Uh. It was just like a TV. Now, when you get home from work, you turn on the, the news, you know, turn on Lester Holt, see what's going on in the news. That's what people did with their radios. And then they would listen. There would be different shows all night long, every night. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there's a lot of stuff that's very problematic today. Amos and Andy, for instance, um, like r- racist. Kind uh, yeah, of shit? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. For sure. Right. But okay. at the time, it wasn't seen that way, but there were lots and lots of radio shows that were extremely popular um, from, you know, in all ages, you know, Little Orphan Annie for the kids to the like, shadow like to Inner Sanctum. And- yeah, they would be like a, a play that was done on the air, like the Orson Welles War of the Worlds oh, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it would be a play that would be done on your radio every night. And there would be, you know, there comedy, there was, you know, horror stories, there were spooky stories suspense. And in fact, that was the name of a show. Um, and so there were tons of, in fact, Spotify has tons of free old radio shows. If people no are ever interested, I mean, I can recommend some radio shows. I, I still love that stuff, Yeah, but there's a lot, and they would be like big stars mm-hmm. often that would be in these shows. And that would be like a TV show now. I mean, you know, the undoing on HBO, you got Hugh Grant and Nicole Kidman. Well, back then you would have, you know, Boris Karloff hosted the show and they'd have different character actors or different actors Lucille Ball. I mean, everybody would come in and do parts in these radio shows. I mean, for years, uh, The Shadow was Orson Welles. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was a big deal. But they had huge listeners. They had advertising. And so that's how they paid their bills. Were they, we talked about this before, but at this point, were they, were they savvy enough to use the stars' names to oh, yeah. promote the show? Yeah, okay, absolutely. So, so they because knew what they we're, were doing. we're talking about when you talk about radio shows, we're talking about the '30s and '40s for the most part, um, because television came along in the '50s and that changed everything yet again. But when entertainment, when you're talking about entertainment, you've got those two decades right there where. You know, these were big stars that were coming in to do these shows and they took advantage of that. Um, And there's a lot of there are still a lot of really fun. I mean, some of them are a little creaky and now, but there's a lot of them that are still really good. Yeah, there's some a great way to kill a lot of time, like on a road trip. How so? So it's almost like the modern day, like what I would listen to, like Limetown or Black Tapes podcast. Yeah, same kind of thing. Yeah, well, that's where those came from. Of course, that's old radio. That's those are old radio shows, and they've adapted it for the modern day. But in those days, that was your television, right? Because there was no TV yet. That wouldn't come along for another, you know, how did people twenty years? How did people know the schedule? Did they have to listen to the radio and remember? Yeah, I mean, usually they would know. They didn't have a TV guy. They would know, right? Right, but they would know what was on, or it would be in the newspaper. I mean, everybody read the newspaper back then. So um, it would often say in the newspaper what was going to be on. Got it. Because they would do a lot of specials, too. There would be variety shows and music shows and all kinds of stuff. I mean, some of it, like um, I was writing about the um, 
you know, over the last winter, I was writing about the Congress Hotel in Chicago. Yep. And Benny Goodman did a live show from there every every Saturday night, and it was broadcast all over the country. Um, in this particular episode, we talk about the Houdini seance that yep. was broadcast on the radio around the world, it's and amazing. people were glued to their radio sets to listen to this stuff and. Like I said, it was just like TV yeah. to us now. Sure. You know, except it was just, it was a theater of the mind, God. you know, hey, you yeah, had to, to imagine. Think, think now it's just like, I'm drunk at 2 a.m. and I'm like, John Mulaney on Netflix. Let's like yeah, put it on. Well, but, just, but it was the same kind of thing. Right. And people would just turn on the radio and listen to whatever shows were on and everybody had their favorites, mm. you know. So. How times have changed. I, I'm going to keep talking about Except people. Except not. Well, yes, but now at least it's, it's on just demand. A different, it's just a different format. But it's on, but well, I can that control, is true. It is control on demand. kind of what I want. I mean, but, radio but yeah. is dead as Buddy Holly at well, this point. it's just point. podcasts so, now, right? right? it's podcasts now, but remember that radio was still big even during, with music, mm -hmm. but not for shows. That was the 20s and 30s, okay. these kinds of shows. It's an interesting distinction, yeah. yeah. Let's, talk, let's talk about uh, William Frawley. Sure. So uh, you mentioned, you, to, you told me You do know who he is, So right? I was like, he was okay. Fred Mertz. Okay, good. Which I totally, I, I... You did know Fred Mertz. I did know Fred Mertz. I, 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 yeah, I think um, most and, of our listeners would know and Fred. this is kind of Fred Bethel. This is kind of embarrassing, but I've heard this term a thousand times, but what is a character actor? Okay, character actor is someone who is in, I mean, for instance, he did more than a hundred films mm -hmm. and there are people just like him today. Yeah. There are people where you're watching a movie and you go, I know that guy. Sure. I recognize his face, but I don't know his name. Mm -hmm. And that's normal. And now we have IMDB, yes. so we could just look it up. But uh, I remember back in like the 80s, I would be doing the same thing. I'd go, oh, shit, who is that guy? <laughs> right, right, right. Know that guy. What was he in? And Leonard Malton, the film critic, used to do a uh, a um, a book every year that was like this movie guide. Mm -hmm. And it would have whatever year it was on it. So you could look up the movie alphabetically. Oh, and then you could try to track down the people. And then you could try to figure out what movies they'd been. It was a lot harder than it is sure, with the IMDb. Yeah, of course. Um, and before there were apps, at least IMDb had a website in the 90s. Right. Uh, the apps came along, you know, 10 years later. But, um, and that changed my life, let me tell you, because I spend so much time going... <laughs> God, what? Who is that who guy? Who is that? Who, what was he in? I know that guy. Uh, but that's a character actor, essentially. I mean, that's, right. that's kind of a, in a nutshell. Sure. Um, it's always one of those actors who are a familiar face, but yet they can play so many different things, mm. you know, different characters. Sometimes it's one of those guys that you see, he's always a bad guy yeah, or he's yeah. always in a mob movie because yeah, oh, yeah. he's Italian, you know, okay, and he, sure. so he's always in a mafia movie or he's always a killer in something. And, you know, you can look him up. And um, so character actors are those, those kind of guys. They're never like the, they're not normally the leading actor mm -hmm. in anything, but they're always, they're always solid actors right, you know right. they're always somebody good okay um, so fair yeah. enough and before anybody gives me any shit about this i did not google this specifically so i could ask troy about it <laughs> on the show okay right. thank you very much yeah, anyway he's not yeah he eventually ended up dying in the hotel lobby from a heart attack yes. died, you started to have a heart you, attack on the sidewalk before we get there oh boy okay Wait, i was I, when i put this, this in i uh -huh. went uh -huh. i wonder okay cody knows i love lucy but does cody know my three sons no, I've heard I've, I've heard of the show, but never ever watched. I, yeah, I only know it from Family Guy parodies. Okay, I'm it's a so good. Sorry. It, it was actually it was a fun show. Yeah, in reruns. I mean, I did not watch it when it 
first came around. Okay. Uh, but in reruns, it was a fun show. And Fred, I, I say I always call him Fred, even though that's not his name, but he's always Fred to me. Uh, but ha- he was he was good in that. I, anyway, I was just curious if you I, were familiar with my. No, I have it literally in all caps. Fred McMurray and the yeah. Anyway. I have it in all caps. He was Fred Mertz! Exclamation point. Yeah. Um, all right. Good. So he, yeah, he starts to have a heart attack on yes. the, the sidewalk. Gets drugged into the hotel lobby. Dies there. Um, sorry, R.I.P. Let's talk about Irene Gibbons. So November 1962, the. The actress and costume designer commits suicide in the hotel. After the death of her husband, she starts a small dress shop. Her designs get attention from studios like RKO, Paramount, MGM, uh, Columbia. She earns her second Oscar nom for her work with Doris Day. Right. One day, Doris notices that her friend seems upset and nervous, admitted, and she admits that she's in love with actor Gary Cooper, and that was the only man she ever died. truly loved. He yeah, just, just died. died. Irene Chester, You know who Gary Cooper is. I please. do. Oh, thank God. So, only because of you, though. I mean, we're getting a little newer, and I'm hoping that more of these people you You'll recognize, but Troy, yeah. I, I'm telling you, most young people. I mean, people there was a reason I did not bonus. I know, but I did bonus episodes, you know, with you know, and I haven't mentioned them since. I don't think, uh, but we had to do the Mary Pickford, Douglas Fairbanks you bonus episodes because to. I felt like there you, you couldn't you couldn't be the only person who didn't know who they no, were. No, of course not, of course not. And so, yeah, I think everybody my age ish. I know, no, I, and I know that. But um, so Irene, so she's. I'm in, hoping she, to broaden people's horizons. That's so, all, besides just yours. That's the whole reason so, I wanted to start this yeah. podcast. Well, actually, it's mostly for me. But now that other people are listening, I'm like, yeah, why I mean, not give them this? You too? may not have noticed this, but I do love movies and yes Troy, you know you're the, a bigger movie <laughs> fan than i am uh, so she loved uh, she, she loved gary cooper who had passed away a short time before irene then checks in and and under an assumed name to a hotel i'm, I'm curious like if people, she leaves suicide no so she slits her wrist that wasn't good enough jumps from the 14th 13th floor or whatever why do you th- why is it that people check into hotels we, we're going to, i'm it's going anonymous. to springs tonight but know, what does but it matter anonymous. if they're leaving if they're leaving suicide notes well, they're going to kill themselves what's when it matter? she gets there she doesn't want people to know who she was but she leaves a note behind because it doesn't matter after she's dead yeah but this woman's so polite that she leaves notes for not only family and friends, but leaves a note for, like for the staff other or, guests or, at the yeah, hotel God. because she's afraid that, you know, people are going to be inconvenienced by the police by showing death. up there. I, yeah. I mean, this, I mean, it says a lot about her personality, really. It does. But, it's really sad. It makes but, it more sad somehow. Yeah. But she jumps out the window and lands on the canopy. And, you know, there are, there were rumors that you sometimes, I'll, I'll tell you the biggest, yeah, worst, please, please. absolute worst source of any phony story about Hollywood is uh, any book that starts with the title Hollywood Babylon. 90% of the material in there is nothing but uh, rumors and gossip that Kenneth Anger picked up and stuck in this book. Um, There's so many, you, you really have to like decode the book because it's so there's a couple of them mm-hmm. and you really have to decode them and, and find out the real story because most of it's not accurate. Yeah. But I believe it was in Hollywood Babylon where they claim that Irene Gibbons uh, laid on that canopy for like three days Uh-oh. before anybody found her. Uh, they found her that same night. Someone looked out the window and whole, you know, they look down and see this woman lying there. That, and yeah, that's going to be something actually we're going to get into later with um, the Houdini part of this. But I'm always curious about when you as a researcher run into something where it's like a fork in the road, like he owned this house. He was kind of just there. Yeah, it's how, how do you make the call as to what to just run with and, wh- and when to be like, you know what? Look, I can't figure this out. Yeah, or- because no one knows. 
shows. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's a perfect example in this particular episode is we don't know because there's been all these rumors. And now, you know, the house has been restored. I mean, well, not even restored because there was nothing left. It's been rebuilt. Yeah. And they still advertise it as saying the pool in the basement is where Houdini used to practice his tricks and he would invite friends over. Sure. But we don't know. There's no record of him actually owning that house. So if you don't find a record, you don't feel comfortable yeah, being like, I mean, he yeah, I don't want to say for sure that he owned it. He could have rented it. He could have lived in it. It's very possible. What we do know is that Bess, oh, we're getting ahead of ourselves. I'm just curious Bess about the, your rented research rented the house across the street. And either you could look at it and say, well, she rented it because she'd stayed there before, so she knew it, or she was familiar with it because they had rented the other house. Mm. So, I mean, we don't know. We, we really don't know. But there's there's nothing, there's no paper that exists to say that he ever either owned that house or even lived in it. For well, that that's matter. what but, I appreciate about you yeah. is that you don't just go with the I bullshit just don't know. thing. That yeah, you, I just you don't know for sure. Seems but. the most interesting. I, and I do like that you entertain the idea and then at the end you're oh, usually yeah, like, but by the way. Yeah, it's just hard to say. This is probably bullshit. Well, yeah. we'll get we'll get more into that sure. later. So let's talk about the Knickerbocker ghost story. So the hotel bar, because of fucking course, if, yeah, I, were to, if I were to haunt anywhere, it'd most likely be a bar. Right. Like, right. it sure, like why the not? most fun. I spend yeah. a lot of time in bars, have good times, meet good people, sometimes terrible people. Uh, but the bar is sealed off when the hotel was renovated into senior housing, but it was reopened in 1993 as a coffee house called the All-Star Theater Cafe. Which I find easy. so weird. It's such a weird fucking name. And well, it's not even that. It's, well, I mean, it, that's weird, but what's weird is that it opens at 7 p.m. when all the residents are going to bed? <laughs> That's the thing. They're all- I mean, it's I mean, I, I get that it's separated. I mean, the bar is in the lobby. Okay, so I get that. It's separated. And I the, guess. It's separated from the rest of the building, which is now like senior apartments. Yeah. But why is that a why does that become attractive Maybe it's to like people a, to want to go hang out in? I don't know. I don't know. You know what though? One History. thing I have one thing I have found over the years, well, living in Chicago, one and being in Chicago a lot, one of the things I found is that the the bars and the restaurants that are in the hotels are often completely separate from the hotel mm, itself. It might as well so, be different buildings. Yeah, it might as well be because a lot of times the bars will be, or the the restaurants will be advertised as something specific that mm. have no connection to the hotel whatsoever, which makes sense. Like they need um, the retail space. Yeah, and, uh, and so I get it. I mean, I'm guessing that that's what this situation was, but I just find it funny that it became like a, late night hangout spot yeah. in a senior citizens building. Right. I, even though they may have been completely separate, it's just, it's still funny. It is. So. It is funny. It's gotta be, it's just a I weird mean, and they stayed in business for eight years. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Well, you said so. some of the most frequently told stories couldn't be true. So one is well, of yeah. Rudolph Valentino, the most well-traveled ghost in Hollywood, kind of like Abraham Lincoln, <laughs> we'll I get guess. There. We'll get there eventually. We'll do a whole episode on Valentino. He so. said, why couldn't he haunt the Knickenbocker? Well, Valentino died in 1926, <laughs> three years before the places open but here's here's the question so this is kind of why we do what we do to separate the history from the hauntings but then i started to kind of play devil's advocate against myself and i said do you ever think that like somehow people could almost like wish a ghost into a place or tell a story so much that could actually become true um i suppose yeah i mean it's, it's at least as far as the lore goes because i think that people have since since this place has been closed people have tended to ignore the dates and they have given these long specific incidents mm -hmm. of Valentino's ghost in this building. Well, <laughs> how, you know, I mean, he had no connection to this building whatsoever. I mean, he never would have been there, but 
so it, it often makes me think that they're seeing someone else oh, and maybe him. mistaking it for Valentino. I mean, I, because let's be honest, in 19, anywhere from 1993 to 2001, who the hell would have known what Valentino <laughs> well, looked sure. like? Yeah. Most of the people coming to hang out in this bar would not have recognized Valentino if he had come up and bit them in the ass. Now, Marilyn Monroe, on the other hand, of course, everybody knows what she uh-huh, looks blonde, like, yeah. but... Who's going to recognize Valentino? Well, you don't even know who he is. No, he'll know. We're going <laughs> to, I mean, I'm going to have to educate you with an entire episode. So, I mean, how would, you know, but just picture this as somebody that would be even, you know, go back 30 years mm-hmm. and have them be, you know, your age at the time. They're not going to know who Valentino is, but yet they claim that he was there because somebody started a story that he used to love to hang out there in the bar. But I just wonder, I, see, here's the question I'm asking though, is like, I wonder if like, what if, I don't know, say it's, you know, 80 years in the future or whatever, and like, you're dead. And then suddenly people are like, I think I see the ghost of author Troy Taylor in the Velisca house. And like, so many people start to do that. And what if your ghost one no, day but is I've actually like, been there and wrote a book about it, though. That's a little different. It, I guess it is. So wait, Although so, I would not want to haunt But what place, if it's not your so. choice? I'm just saying, like, what if all of a sudden it gets willed into... I, we're talking about shit that doesn't I, matter. So I, that's I why I'm, curi- I'm just yeah. curious about, could people potentially push this into happening or do you I think it's just know. a case of mistaken ghost identity possible, but i think it would be more of a case of mistaken identity well, or I better haven't. yet it's hollywood so everyone lies about everything so they you just made up stories i don't hate hollywood <laughs> but they do lie about everything so my guess would be that you know they just you know made up a story to give it some you know some pizzazz All right, because let, well because Valentino's haunts everywhere else well, sure so why not this place well, too? that's fair I had to push you so you just see what you said um <laughs> as you mentioned another is Marilyn Monroe who actually frequented the bar yeah. and honeymooned there with Joe DiMaggio in 1954 yeah, she at least had a connection to the place she did right so the bar's closed today but there's still another weird story to tell uh the 10-year anniversary seances uh tried to contact Harry Houdini so he was an opponent of the spiritualist movement but made a pact with his wife and friends that should uh, contact be possible from the other side he would attempt it for uh uh, 10 years after his death, his wife tried. I'm curious about this. We're going to get more into this in a little bit, but like, would I have liked him for his skepticism or would he have been too obnoxious? <sighs> no, I been think like, Calm I, down. I, I honestly, you know, Houdini is one of those, one of my favorite characters from American history. Yeah. Um, and I, I wouldn't say idolize him cause I don't want to be a magician, but I'm fascinated with Houdini and I always have been, I mean, as long as I can remember, but I think in real life, if I had known him, I really just would have thought he was an asshole <laughs> okay, uh, because he has gigantic ego and he just, you know, just thought his whole thing was I'm the best at what I do. And he honestly believed that. And in maybe in most cases, he probably was, but punched in the he was so arrogant and so, I mean, he, but he was also very short. So, you know, how I feel about that. And the short guy syndrome, Napoleon you know, syndrome. I run into that whole kind of thing. And I just, um, I, 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 th- I think he's fascinating. I really do. And I think that he's a character that, you know, there's so much of interest about and so many unanswered questions and so many that have been answered. Um, and we don't always like the answers because they kind of make him sound like a jerk. But on the other hand, when it comes to spiritualism, I, I do honestly believe that he always was open to the idea. Now, you know, the diehard skeptics have adopted him as one of their own, but I think that's a mistake. Um, I think that his initial, you know, 
his belief in spiritualism was that he wanted it to be true, desperately wanted the it to be true. The man after my own heart. Because, well, but not necessarily because he was obsessed with his mother. And that was his main thing was, is that he really wanted to make contact with his dead mother. Um, And I mean, desperately, I mean, used to go out to the cemetery and lie on her grave and talk to her and things Uh, after she died. All right. And desperately wanted to make contact with her, which is why he started going visiting mediums and spiritualists and trying to make kind of why he got burned. Right. Right. But each time he'd go, he would, you know, he would find these people who were fakes and phonies and. You know, because I, while I think there was something to the spiritualist movement, I think there were plenty of people who were involved in it who were, who really had psychic gifts that could make contact with the other side. I think there were plenty of people that were for real, mm-hmm. but so many people, well, it's just like today. I mean, you can watch a television show and go, hey, this one's pretty good. And then there's 30 others that are complete garbage sure. when it comes to, you know, ghosts and the paranormal. And I think it was the same way with the spiritualists. I think there were mediums who were the real thing. And then there were 30 others who were just trying to con people. Yeah, And, you know, he kept running into one person after another who was a con artist. I mean, I could do, I could do an entire season on Houdini. I mean, I seriously could, uh, because it's something I've always been fascinated with and there's so many things to explore, but, um, this is why the Knickerbocker got its own episode because I wanted to at least get some of this stuff in about Houdini. But, um, I think that he desperately wanted to contact his mother. And I think that's where this pact came from. All right. Well, let's yeah. let's talk about Houdini. So he was, you said he's a natural showman, and it only made sense for him to try his hand at Hollywood, which is something I was not familiar with until yeah. this. He yeah. first appeared in a fifteen-part serial that was made in nineteen eighteen by B. F. Rolf in of Octagon Films called, and that the, was in New York, The Master yes. Mystery. Okay, yeah. How how was it? It's know, terrible. Is, is it, the so movies, everything are, the movies, is terrible, the movies are terrible. Even the serial. Um, it's really cool to see. Houdini on film. Yeah. I mean, they're all silence. I mean, there's no, you know, there's sure. no, you don't hear his voice, but you do, you do get to see, you know, him performing and stuff. And that part of it is cool. I bet. Um, but he's a really bad actor. Uh, and, and it, well, I mean, it's a silent film. Yeah, yeah. They're not all bad. You know, there, there are some good silent films out there. I mean, Lon Chaney, we talked about him in a prior episode. Uh, Lon Chaney was a really good actor and really good in silence. There were a lot of people that were, but you had to like, you know, overblow everything and pantomime and things to kind of get the point across. And the movies are just bad. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I've never been real hot on those old serials. I used to watch a a lot of the stuff from the thirties and forties on, on old stuff. And they're kind of fun because they would always end in a cliffhanger and, you know, you get to watch the next one. And so they were fun, but they're, they're usually pretty bad and these are bad. And even the movies are really lame. Mm. Um, but it's cool to see Houdini on film. Yeah. You know, I bought a box set of DVDs. Uh, I've never seen them streaming. They may be out there now, but I bought a box set of DVDs and so I could watch them uh, years ago. I've still got them, and, but they're, they're, they're not pretty good. bad. Yeah, they're pretty bad. Well, so he made films like The Grim Game and Terror Island, finally filmed the Houdini Picture Corporation, yes. made some films, might have owned or just stayed in a house in Laurel Canyon. We talked about that earlier. Yeah. But that yeah. house was built in 1915 by Rolf Walker, um, had 11 bedrooms, nine bathrooms, a ballroom, indoor aviary, and a swimming pool. But it also had towers, tunnels, secret passageways, yeah. chambers, a bunch of fun shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Houdini actually lived in the guest I'm house. I'm sure it was a really cool place. Yes. Laurel Canyon it is sounds, an amazing place. It sounds great. And, uh, 
Laurel Canyon has a fantastic history. Yeah. Uh, I've read I don't know how many books on just Laurel Canyon and all of the stuff that came out of Laurel Canyon. Mm-hmm. All the musical figures, all the people who live there, all the... I mean, it was like a... You know, like in the 60s, it was like a big... Um, it was just like constant party. I mean, it would be people floating from house to house. Mm-hmm. You know, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, you know, um, Joni Mitchell, all these people who lived in Laurel Canyon and the Mamas and the Papas, all these yeah, people. Yeah. So it was, it's such a cool history of this place, but this is how it started. And Houdini was in it, you know, in the ground floor. But again, I, I don't want to say that I know for a fact that he lived in this house. Sure. I mean, they call it the Houdini house. They call it, I mean, before it burned down, you know, they've called the the property the Houdini house. And even now the, the owners of the restored house still refer back to all the Houdini stuff because good there's marketing. enough, yeah, there's enough of it still there, you know, that it's built on the foundations of stuff and it's, it's a cool place. And you'd like to, it's like one of those things where you'd like to believe that Houdini lived there uh, and performed there and did things there. And, you know, if it's, it's one of those stories where if it isn't true, it should be, Sure, you know, yeah, you know yeah. I've done that quite a bit. Of course. So I don't know for sure, but we, we, the reason that I say that it has a little more solidity to it than a lot of things do is because best when she did move back to Hollywood, that's That's where where she she went went, was to the guest house. So to me, that says that she has a connection to Laurel Canyon and that property. So they probably either lived in the guest house or lived in the main house because he certainly had the money for it. Right. And I think that's why a lot of people honestly like our podcast is because we're not going to come out and just be like, yeah, oh, I just yeah, tell you. Laurel Canyon, yeah. blah, 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 like, no. So that's great. And we're going to get to Bess in a minute. But so Houdini leaves Hollywood in 1923 after the failure of his last film. You said, uh, and I quote, after leaving Hollywood, Houdini began the most controversial part of his career, passionately speaking out against fraudulent spiritualists who were taking advantage of the gullible. A portion of each of his stage shows exposed how fake mediums did their tricks. And that's when I, I was actually going to ask you then if I would admire him or not. But he died on Halloween night in 1926. His wife, Bess, then offered $10,000 for anyone who could deliver a true message from her husband. But it never fucking happened. Not really. I mean, the, the Arthur Ford thing I just mentioned, and that's a really, that's a long story in itself. And again, this mm-hmm. was not supposed to be all about Houdini. Um, I mean, I could easily do it, but we're not going to. Maybe a, someday. Do you have a Houdini book? Yeah, maybe really? maybe someday we will delve into just Houdini. But, okay, okay. Um, it's a possibility in the future. I, I honestly think it'd be fun. It'd be a fun. It'd be a fun season to do. Maybe even a short season. Maybe ten yeah, episodes mini, or something. We could do a it. short season. Well, is that's 10 short. Well, for us. compared Fuck. to this episode, they're this season. It is compared to every season. But, ten is um, short. But anyway, it's um, it's an interesting thing. But it was never proven that he could do it because there were a lot of. But, yeah, but yeah, yeah. what if, you know, so I don't know. But anyway, it, 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 it boils down to a secret code. I mean, Do it you, was Roosevelt and believe was the code word that was part. Oh, God, it's long. You, so it's a part of a mind reading act they used to do on Coney Island. Do you have something like this set up? Where if you're on the other side, no, but I just I've already said that I don't care if I talk to anybody, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm coming around to cause create as much havoc as possible. I kind of like that. That's my plan. Is if I can stay, I'm gonna stay. Yeah, yeah. I think if I I've talked about before, if I could stay, I would haunt Alton um, because because I love it, but especially Riverview Park is where I would be. I just, okay. it's my, it's my favorite place, okay. like well, in all right Alton. Then. Um, and something about this town sucks, but it just sucks me back in. And no, I, just, I just figured that I love you, it. you could probably, if you're doing it by choice, good chance you'll be able to travel. 
So, I mean, I've got lots of things I want to do That's true. after I'm dead. See the too. world. Yeah, why not? Free so, train tickets? But I want to really harass as many people as possible. Okay. Just for no reason other Fair than enough. to say that I did. You know? So. Well, who are you going to tell? Well, yeah, exactly. You I mean, who are you going to complain to? No, who are you, know? you going to tell? You'd be like, oh, you're just like, yeah. you're just racking up points for no one but yourself. No well, one. Yeah, it'll be all right with me. All right, that's fair. Yeah. That's oh, fair. they'll know I'm there. They just won't know it's me. <laughs> so, you know. moving on to the Walker Estate. So the mansion's now owned by real estate broker Charles Wilson. Uh, Lease it to a con artist and cult leader named Joe Jeffers, who <laughs> named it the Temple of Yahweh. So this wasn't even like a fun death cold or anything. No. It's just like I mean, there are, don't get me wrong, there are plenty of those. And yeah, I'm sure right. this, this we, will, we, will, we will get to that. You have we a book will, about it. Yes, I do have a book was, about it, but we're going to get to some of the Hollywood cults okay. at some point in this season. It's it's on my list. All right. This is of a, the 80 episodes for this season. <laughs> it's on my list. But, but this was, yeah, a, boring this was one. a pretty boring one. All right. Well, just an annoying enough to annoy the neighbors. <laughs> the church yeah. of Yahweh. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, the next owner was Eve the Green Virgin. You said, <laughs> no, she but, wandered around the estate mostly naked with her hair wrapped in the shape of a turban until Charles Wilson died in 1954 and the estate was sold. She sounds hot. I'm, she's not. She's not. She God wasn't. Damn it. So I'm sorry. I would have okay. liked to have told okay. you she was, but it was really an actually All right. older lady. I just immediately. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm just, she was a very mature woman. She, great. Yes. I'm just going to immediately so, move on for this disappointment. Yes. So the house is sold to Fania Pearson. Fania yeah. Pearson. Yeah. Uh, wildfire gutted the mansion in 1959. Charred remains sat there until 68, where trespasses <laughs> of traffic slowed the road as drivers stopped to gawk at the site. People report strange lights, eerie shapes, glowing apparitions. In 1960, well, and that's yeah, when that's got. during the period that the Houdini stuff really took hold. Why um, then? Just because you wanted a reason why you wanted something mysterious to be about uh, okay. it because people were claiming that the property was haunted. Sure. So if you want something mysterious about it, they Make wanted to really link it to Houdini. Right. And I'm not saying that it wasn't. Sure. No, we've already talked about that, but that's when a lot of that came from. Got it. So. Okay. 69 Pearson even allowed ghost hunter Hans Holzer to visit yes. the property we've talked about in previous episodes um, at some point, some season, I think. Yeah, I'm sure we talked about. I, I mean, most people know who Hans Holzer was. Right, I don't remember yeah, when, but so. um, occultists were known for holding rituals on the ground, and vagrants and runaways were living in the caves and tunnels beneath. Yeah, uh, that property. was the 80s. Sounds, so occultists everywhere course, in the 80s so sounds about right. That. Plus, it's L.A., so there probably were. Yeah, so, right. Yeah, 97 um, antique dealer and magic buff Patrick Williams bought the property and began restoring, which seems to, of course, stir up ghosts. Oh boy, Troy's <laughs> Troy's got a problematic chair. My chair just yeah, it's a really problem chair. Uh, it held up almost it's right just, to. Yeah, yeah, it just like shrank all the way to the floor. So. I started talking about Patrick Williams yeah. and it just uh, yeah. started up. I don't know what happened. It's uh, still. At least it hasn't tipped over backwards again. So maybe right. we should have been talking so much shit on these occultists. I don't know, but um, it's still used today and considered to be haunted. But let's go at the end. Let's go back to the Knickerbocker, which you talked about. <laughs> Ten years after his death, Best decides to hold a final farewell seance for Houdini on top of the rooftop of the hotel. It included magicians, occultists, scientists. It's broadcast all over the world via radio like you talked about. Nothing ends up happening. His wife finally gives up. But you said, and I quote, the seance came to an end, but at the moment it did, a tremendously violent thunderstorm broke out, drenching the seance participants and terrifying them with lightning and thunder that seemed very close. And you yeah. say it was just over the hotel, True story. Right? True story. You said, um, is the ego too small, you think, to move a pencil? Uh, yeah, that's what I think. Um, but, you know, um, and we played a little bit, uh, a couple of excerpts from the, 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 uh, the broadcast, yeah. the radio broadcast in the show. Uh, but when that was all over, 
you know, I've heard there was a, I've got another recording that includes all of that. It was done like in the sixties or something. And the guy who's narrating it actually talks about the storm and how unreal the storm was. And it didn't happen anywhere else. I mean, it only happened above the Knickerbocker hotel, Hmm. right above the seance, which is impressive. And I'm not sure how to just blow that off. I'm really not. So um, I just, I find it interesting uh, because, you know, Houdini is not going to ring a fucking bell. I mean, he's not, or, you know, move a pencil. He's not, like if, if, he, best, if he's going to show up, he's really going to show up. I mean, this is a guy whose head wouldn't fit through a door. Right. I mean, he thought he was like the greatest thing since sliced bread. Yeah. And, um, and don't get me wrong. I admire him. And in most ways he was really spectacular, but he knew it. Yeah. <laughs> he really like, knew if it. If I were best, so. I'd be like, just like in life, and I asked you to do one, <laughs> one fucking thing, thing yeah. and you just can't even put your ego aside. Uh, well, it's now time for our Ghostwriter segment. If you have a question or comment about the world of the macabre, you can email us at AmericanHauntingsPodcast at gmail.com. This first letter comes to us from Karen. It's titled Great Podcast and Thanks. It says, hi, guys. As a member of a family whose personal tragedy was abused by the Warrens and others to create a <laughs> hoax and make money, I have a really bad taste towards a lot of ghost hunting. However, I suppose strangely, I really love reading and hearing about hauntings and learning about the history behind them. That's difficult for me since a lot of what I come across takes gossip as truth and ignores anything that would disprove parts of a good story. I've been so pleased with the podcast and the research is top notch. The stories are interesting and you're willing to say when you can't find support for something and what seems to just be legend. Plus you both seem to remember that pe- the people involved in the stories were real people with lives and families. Thank you for actually putting out a podcast about hauntings and history behind them that I can actually listen to and enjoy. I'm about to start on Troy's books and I'm really excited about them. Thanks again, guys. You are welcome. And that's yeah. kind of what we wanted to set out to yeah, do. Yeah, that was right? the whole plan. You know? I mean, that's essentially every book I write. Yeah. I mean, I might present the story the way that it is, but you know, I, I'm usually the first person to jump in and go, but, yeah, you know, this didn't happen, yeah, but that never happened. And as I try as hard as I can to like as many jokes as I make about stuff, I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I'm not making fun of the victim. I'm normally making oh, yeah, fun yeah. of the, the person perpetrating the crime, but also I understand that, yeah, this is a terrible situation. I'm just trying to make somebody laugh, <laughs> just make them laugh for once in their day. Um, this next one's from Melissa. It's titled new to podcast. Uh, it says, I would just like to say you both have officially changed my mind on podcast. A few weeks ago, a coworker was telling me about out. This would be a long story, sort of. It's not really. Um, podcasts, and they think they listen to podcasts on their drive into work. Since pre COVID, my job is primarily me driving around my state. I usually listen to audiobooks since the radio, including satellite, does not work. They told me about podcasts and how they were listening to horror stories and murders. After a brief explanation from them that not all podcasts are people whining or complaining, as I had believed, <laughs> I said I'd look into it. Although, probably yeah. 75% of them are. Including this one. Well, well, well sometimes I'd, op- I'd one. open up Google's <laughs> podcast app and under what might interest you. I'm not entirely sure how Google knows me so well. You all popped up. I'm now on season three and I love your podcast. I have to work from home now. Not sure for how long. I will purchase some books to send off as Christmas gifts. Thanks again and have a great day. Well, don't forget to use the promo code. Use, you do. What's so, the promo code again? Spooky. Spooky. Yeah. Melissa, use the promo yeah, code save Spooky 20%, for so. 20%. Um, this last one comes to us from our good friend, Mark Voorhees. He wrote in and he just said, hi, is there a difference between supernatural and paranormal or can they be used interchangeably? I Googled this. I don't. I, yeah, I don't. I don't use them the same. Okay. So. Do you, do you want to, I have, no, I, I, I mean, I, without looking it up, I yeah. mean, I could just tell you what I cup, use it sure. for. You, you, you give the scientific definition, okay. and I'll tell you what, how I define so it. So here's how I, I read through just a 
like maybe three articles to kind of see if I could like sum this up somewhere. Basically, paranormal refers to something that's not understood by current scientific knowledge. There's the potential that something paranormal will someday be explained scientifically, and there's likelihood there's a good natural explanation for it. Supernatural refers to a phenomenon that is beyond our capability to understand now and simply forever because it just doesn't operate under our rules. So it's like paranormal, we might be able to explain one day. Supernatural, we couldn't explain one day. That's how this article summed it up. Yeah, that's what, pretty much how I would too. Yeah. Actually, that's pretty good. So, uh, I mean, when I say supernatural, I usually am thinking about think like Bell ghosts or, or you know or ghosts or something that is not um, you know maybe something that's just completely beyond our understanding. Mm-hmm. Paranormal, I usually think of as as something that is like I don't even I, I guess I don't really put ghosts in there. I put like I was gonna say you don't I put think- like poltergeist activity and like psychic energy and okay. psychic powers and stuff. I think of that as paranormal. I do anyway. You don't think we'll be um, able to figure out ghosts someday? No, not really. Really? So yeah, that's no, so I don't think we'll. I know, me. but I don't. I mean, I think we can figure out lots of different kinds of hauntings. Yeah, uh, especially when it comes to poltergeist types stuff and energy type stuff. But as far as like actual ghosts or anything that's unexplainable like that, I think it's always going to be unexplainable. So Mm. I think of that as supernatural. Oh, just Um, my dreams are crushed. No, no, no. I, that's just how I think of it. I mean, that's just me, but I think you're, article definition is really good. So I think that's good. Awesome. So, well, thanks for writing in, Mark. That's yeah. a good question. Um, and I appreciate it. We have a couple of uh, Patreon shout outs that I want to give. So these are people who have subscribed to the show and are, are helping us keep doing this every week. So I just want to say a quick thanks to Cindy, Lynn, and Kirsten. And that's all I have. You know what's paranormal is my Apple Watch just completely changed faces while we were sitting here talking. And Did I it? have no idea how it did it. Mm, paranormal activity. Yeah. Supernatural it's really activity. really annoying. I don't know. Actually is what it is. It so. was an update. Steve Jobs. I don't mm, know. From I Beyond the know. Grave. It's annoying though. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good if you're good. This is all you, man. Oh. This is your time is to fucking shine. Yeah. Okay. Well, hang on. I'm trying oh, to fix my watch. God. Okay. That's what I deal with. Hopefully it's. Bi-weekly. Still not fixed. Okay. We'll worry about it later. Um. Like and subscribe. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I think that we can wrap things up. I, uh, I've i been off on like 12 different tangents already during this episode. A little so, more than usual. Yeah, a little more than usual. I guess I felt talkative. I hadn't seen you in a while, so that's, I must have been, felt talkative. So We didn't really talk too much before. No, we, we really didn't. I just recorded a bunch of stuff this week and sent it to you and uh, a bunch of bonus episodes. So mm-hmm. if you uh, subscribe to Patreon, you've got some bonus episodes heading your way. If you don't subscribe to our Patreon feed, you should, or we wish you would or yeah, something please. because we do try to, uh, to do some bonus stuff and do, you know, do some different things with that. So, um, I recorded a bunch of those and, uh, Cody doesn't know this yet, but I'm getting ready to send him another bonus episode. That's going to go out on the main line actually. Oh so oh it's, boy. it's going to be available to you guys who are listening later this week. Um, but, um, if you uh, if you like the show, which we hope you do because well you're listening to it. So if you do like it, tell your friends, spread the word. If you haven't left us a review, feel free to do so. 
And uh, we'd love it if you did. And we will talk to you guys. Um, well, you've got our movie episode coming up before the end of the year. And then after that, it'll be 2021. That's so, it. Thanks yeah. a lot, guys. Yeah, I feel like since you went on so many tangents this time, I'm just going to let everybody just like relax and just understand that this episode of the American Hogs podcast was <laughs> written by Troy Taylor. I don't Taylor, know why you bothered to do that. You know me, I'm Cody just going to interrupt you. The show airs every other week offering that, history, so. hauntings, folklore, legends, and the truth as we look what into did, America's what did they darkest say it was corners. Superfluous. <laughs> Superfluous. Check out the Indeed. website at AmericanHauntingsPodcast.com for show notes, more about the episodes, and links to more from American Hauntings. If Cody American bothers to Hauntings, update it. And sometimes I do, and it's not just a podcast, it's books, it's tours, events, Troy's humor, and more. And our main yeah. website is AmericanHauntings.net. And if you want even more from us, ever you can become a supporter of the podcast. On No one claims you're funny. Uh, on no, Patreon. I, I certainly don't. You can get a bonus episode of the show, you can get t-shirts, discounts, great stuff in the mail, and Can you hurry more. up? I Thanks really to our need to use we the have upgraded our equipment from the show, and we continue to help from you we can dedicate more time and resources to creating even more shows in the future so take a minute and check it out we think you'll like what you find at patreon.com slash american hauntings be sure to get in touch if you have any comments about the show suggestions God. reviews jokes or just want to tell us what you really think of us we're reachable via email on twitter instagram facebook and by carrier pigeon until next time telegram candygram we forgot to candygram candygram, candygram. anyway goodbye so long see you later bye hi i really do have to Fucking day's work. That was an hour that was an hour.